We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Go episode 769 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Friday, February 23rd, 2024, the day before a certain situation may get even uglier. Saturday, February 24th, per the collective bargaining agreement between Major League Baseball and the MLB Players Association is the mandatory reporting date for all players invited to a team's Major League Spring training. Those players who do not report by that date without being excused by the club are subject to discipline. Well, still, having not reported to National Spring training in West Palm Beach, Florida, is starting pitcher Steven Strasburg as the situation with his contract remains unresolved. The 2024 season would be Strasburg's age 35 season and the fifth season of the disastrous seven-year $245 million contract to which he was re-signed in December 2019. Strasburg's playing career is over. Everyone knows that. Strasburg on July 28, 2021 underwent surgery for TOS, thoracic outlet syndrome. A report from the Washington Post last June 3rd said that Strasburg was dealing with, quote, severe nerve damage, end quote. But what is going to be done with that contract remains unresolved. Nats president of baseball operations and general manager Mike Rizzo in a session with reporters on February 14th said that the Nats expected Strasburg to show up at spring training, not to actually pitch, but to help out other pitchers. Quote, yeah, he's invited like every other guy on our 40-man roster. He's got until February 24th to be here. And yeah, I expect him to be here and quote, but Strasburg still has not shown up, and Saturday is deadline day. Will he show up? And if he does not show up, will the Nats actually discipline Strasburg? Would the Nats perhaps use him not showing up as a means of not paying him at least some? of his money. The last thing that you wanted to see with this Steven Strasburg situation was for it to become ugly. Uh, Too late (laughs) for that. Uh, Now the question is, how ugly is this situation going to get? Hello and welcome to this Friday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. You know, this Strasburg situation, in terms of its ugliness, uh, feels like a lot of situations that we've had with our football team over the years. So hopefully, those days for the football team are behind us. Hopefully, nothing but good days are ahead for our football team. Going a long way toward that goal uh, would be our football team hitting big time with what it does with the number two overall pick in the 2024 NFL Draft. Next segment, a great guest to talk about the quarterback discussion with that number two overall pick. Pro football focus senior data analyst and Commanders fan Nick Ackridge. Uh, We are going to go in-depth on USC quarterback Caleb Williams versus North Carolina quarterback Drake May versus LSU quarterback 
Jaden Daniels. Uh, Nick is great at combining PFF metrics with tape study. And so we're going to get Nick's assessment of each quarterback's biggest strength and Nick's biggest concern with each quarterback. We're also going to explore something that you absolutely want to be aware of. Drake May killing it regarding PFF's stable metrics, which are specific metrics that have been shown to be most predictive for quarterbacks. Uh, What does it say? What does it mean that Drake May outdoes both Caleb Williams and Jaden Daniels in PFF's stable metrics? Uh, All of that and more with Nick Ackridge next segment. Also on the show, I'll talk Capitals and Wizards, uh, two teams going in opposite directions. The Caps on Thursday night won their third consecutive game, a 5-3 win at the Tampa Bay Lightning. The Wizards on Thursday night lost their ninth consecutive game, a 130-110 loss at the reigning defending NBA champion Denver Nuggets in the Wizards' first game of their post-All-Star break portion of the season. You can hit me up on X. At Al Galdi, you can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Uh, thank you to everyone for the really nice messages regarding Thursday's show, episode 768, marking the three-year anniversary of this podcast. Uh, the messages were much appreciated. Uh, I have received plenty of feedback on a major development this week, something that we talked about on Tuesday's show, episode 766. And that something is the news on Monday afternoon that the learners are no longer exploring selling the Nets. And so, at least for now, monumental sports and entertainment founder, chairman, principal partner, and CEO Ted Leonsis is not buying the Nets. From Mike on X, when I hear people complaining about the learners not selling the Nationals, I can't help but think, ingrates. <laughs> the learners are hardly perfect owners, but we did have a run of playoff-making 100-win teams culminating in a World Series. We can do worse. Would Ted Leonsis really be better? Uh, thank you for that, Mike. Email from Michael King writes this, Mike. I too wish that the learners would have sold the ads. However, if this latest situation can prevent Ted Leonsis <laughs> from owning the Nationals, then we are all better off. I would rather that the learners keep the team forever if Leonsis is the only other alternative. Just my opinion. Uh, Thank you for the email, Mike. Boy, the approval ratings of both Nats ownership, i.e. the learners, and Caps and Wizards ownership, i.e. Ted Leonsis, appear to be at, if not all-time lows, then close to all-time lows. And there's no doubt that there are legitimate reasons for those approval ratings being so bad right now. But I can't help but think about the timing of these low approval ratings. Here we are, less than a year removed from last July 21st, when the sale of the commanders from Dan and Tanya Snyder to the Josh Harris group was officially completed. And both the learners and Ted Leonsis are getting harpooned (laughs) right now. That's no coincidence. Dan Snyder selling the commanders was not good for the learners and Ted Leonsis because once Dan sold the commanders, the intense scrutiny that had been on Dan for decades as a terrible owner ended. And now the scrutiny has shifted to the other major owners in Washington, D.C. sports. There's irony here because Dan Snyder and the learners did not get along. But Dan selling the football team was bad for the learners. It would have been in the best interest of the learners, at least in terms of public perception, for Dan to remain as the owner of the football team. There right now is scrutiny on and consequently venom being spewed at uh, the learners and Ted Leonsis like never before. And I'm not saying that the scrutiny and venom aren't at least somewhat justified, but the timing is so interesting, right? Dan Snyder goes bye-bye, and here we are a mere seven months later, and the learners and Ted Leonsis are getting ripped right now. Uh, I would say this about the learners as owners of the Nats. The learners have been neither good nor bad. Uh, They have been mixed. To me, there are three basic things that you want from the ownership of a sports team that you root for. A, that the ownership is willing to spend on both players and infrastructure. B, that the ownership hires good management. C, 
that the ownership stays out of the way of at least the sports operations of the team. Business operations are different, but football, baseball, basketball, and hockey operations, uh, those things should be run by good management, good heads of those operations, not by team ownerships. Uh, The learners, as Nats owners, have spent on players, but have not spent appropriately on infrastructure. Uh, The Nats per Cots baseball contracts ranked in the top 10 in MLB in year-end 40-man payroll in each of eight consecutive seasons, 2013 through 2020. The learners deserve a lot of credit for that. Uh, But the Nats under the learners have never been known for spending big on front office staffing and analytics tools. And that is the reason, maybe the biggest reason, for the Nats being behind so many MLB teams in analytics. And that is a big deal in the modern MLB landscape. Uh, The learners as Nats owners have mostly hired good management. Uh, Now, the shine has come off of Nats president of baseball operations and general manager Mike Rizzo due to the team's bad drafting and bad player development. But even with that bad drafting and bad player development, uh, Mike Rizzo still has had an impressive tenure running Nats baseball ops. You can't deny that. I mean, that run from 2012 through 2019 was tremendous. Eight consecutive winning regular seasons, five players off appearances for National League East titles, a 2019 World Series championship. There is a reason that I for years called Mike Rizzo the ninja, (laughs) because his penchant for winning trades was ninja-like. Yes, that is the sound of the ninja strike. Uh, And the learners mostly have stayed out of Mike Rizzo's way, although not entirely. I am certain that Mike Rizzo, off the record, could tell us stories about having to do what is called managing up as opposed to managing down. Uh, In other words, having to manage the learners as opposed to manage people beneath Mike in the organizational hierarchy. Uh, As a baseball fan, you could do a lot worse than the learners as owners, but you could do better. And so I don't think that a Nats fan who is disappointed by the learners no longer exploring selling the team is an ingrate, (laughs) okay? Uh, First of all, exploring selling the team is a toothpaste that you cannot put back into the tube. Uh, The learners can say that they're no longer exploring selling the team, but the fact that they were exploring selling the team communicates that they may not be all in on owning the team. As I talked about on Tuesday's show, my understanding is that not all of the learners were on the same page about selling the team. My understanding is that Nats managing principal owner Mark Lerner did not want to sell the team. But there's also this, you should want excellence in everything about your team, including ownership. And I would not describe the learners as excellent owners. Uh, I would describe the learners as mixed owners. Uh, Their ownership of the Nats is not as simple as good or bad. Uh, But something that clearly is good is the law firm of Paulson and Nace. Paulson and Nace fights for victims like no other law firm does. Chris Nace, Matt Nace, and the rest of the team do excellent work. Paulson and Nace is a Washington, D.C.-based family law firm that handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C., and West Virginia. You know, a victim of medical malpractice can file a lawsuit to seek compensation for the harm that he or she has suffered, but to do so, the person must file within a certain time frame known as the statute of limitations. Uh, These statutes can change based on where you file and what type of case that you have. If you feel that you've been wronged, if you think that you've been wronged but aren't sure, call Paulson and Nace and schedule a no-obligation appointment. Call 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. And when you call, tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Paulson and Nace has recovered millions of dollars for the sick and injured. In fact, Paulson and Nace was just named as part of U.S. News and World Report's Best Law Firm's 2024 
edition. But how about this? Two verdicts versus Merrill Dow totaling $132 million as Paulson and Nace has taken on Big Pharma and won. Uh, Bradley versus the United States of America. Paulson and Nace with a case for which the United States government had to pay nearly $1.8 million. Paulson and Nace took on the U.S. government <laughs> and won. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Call 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. And when you call, tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. You can also visit paulsonandace.com. Just don't forget to tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace, when tragedy happens, let the family of Paulson and Nace take care of your family. Next week is a big week in the NFL offseason. Next week is a combine week, and that is an especially notable week for a team that has a high pick in an upcoming NFL draft. And it just so happens that our team, the Washington Commanders, has the number two overall pick in the 2024 NFL draft. Uh, the 2024 NFL Scouting Combine is happening from this Monday, February 26th, through the following Monday, March 4th. The Combine again is happening at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. Uh, the actual combine drills are not starting until this Thursday, February 29th. Uh, as for the quarterbacks, uh, they will be doing press conferences this Friday, March 1st, and will be doing drills this Saturday, March 2nd. Uh, although when it comes to the perceived top quarterbacks in the 2024 draft, USC's Caleb Williams, North Carolina's Drake May, and LSU's Jaden Daniels, uh, we are not expecting much, if uh, any, participation from them in the drills. But you never know. Uh, and what will be key with those guys during the combine will be their official measurements, medical histories, and how those guys come across in meetings with NFL teams. Although those meetings are brief, uh, the much more telling meetings for NFL teams with draft prospects are those meetings that happen as a top 30 visits. But presumably, the commanders during the combine will be meeting with Caleb Williams, Drake May, and Jaden Daniels to say nothing of other players, maybe slash probably other quarterbacks. Uh, but yeah, Caleb Williams versus Drake May versus Jaden Daniels. Uh, that is the great quarterback debate for the commanders, especially May versus Daniels. It more and more is feeling like the Chicago Bears are going to trade quarterback Justin Fields and not trade their number one overall pick in the 2024 draft and take Caleb Williams with that pick. Uh, I am very pleased to welcome back to the Al Galdi podcast, pro football focused senior data analyst Nick Ackridge. Uh, Nick has graded a number of Washington games in recent seasons. So when you hear about the PFF grades of Washington players, that often has been the work of Nick. Uh, and also, he is a Commanders fan. You can follow Nick on X at PFF underscore Nick Ackridge, and Ackridge is spelled A K R I D G E. Hey, Nick, how are you? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, great to have you back. Uh, now that the commanders have made their football operations changes, uh, our team's offseason really does become about the quarterback decision as much as anything. You have studied Caleb Williams, Drake May, and Jaden Daniels. What is the Nick Ackridge big board looking like right now in terms of the top three quarterbacks in the 2024 draft? I've got Caleb Williams one, Drake May like a, a, a 1A, and then Jay Daniels, like two, two slash three, essentially. I think all three of those guys, you can make the case for, you know, being essentially QB one. I mean, they've got some incredible traits, each of them. They, and they all, all have their own flaws as well. Um, but yeah, kind of where I'll, I'll probably end up is, is Caleb Drake and then Jaden at one, two, three. Uh, just to be clear, this is a good NFL draft for quarterbacks, right? Yeah, this is a uh, it's it's a it's a great year to have the second overall pick. Um, I mean, like I said, I think Caleb Williams will or is the best of them right now. But um, I kind of see him going to Chicago. But I think having your pick of Drake May or Jaden Daniels, I think in in many other years you could make the argument that they should easily be the number one overall pick. So um, I think you're in a great spot, and and any of the guys you get, you should be ecstatic with. 
Very nice to hear that. A colleague of yours, Pro Football Focus fantasy football analyst John Macri, he put out a piece on February 14th analyzing how the 15 quarterbacks on PFF's big board for the 2024 draft compare in PFF's stable metrics, uh, which are metrics for stable situations. Uh, Stable metrics have been shown to be predictive for future performance. The analysis looks at the quarterbacks through the prism of stable metrics over the last two college football seasons, so the 2022 and 2023 seasons. Uh, There are six stable metrics. They are PFF passing grade from clean pockets, PFF passing grade on straight dropbacks, PFF passing grade on first and second downs, PFF passing grade with no play action, PFF passing grade on pass attempts beyond the sticks, and lastly, percentage of negatively graded plays by PFF. The number one quarterback out of the 15 quarterbacks on PFF's big board for the 2024 draft in terms of these six stable metrics over the last two seasons is Drake May. Jaden Daniels is number three. Caleb Williams is number six. What do you make of all of that? Yeah, it, it's definitely interesting. Um, I, you know, as a, as a Drake May guy, I love seeing him uh, up at the top, but you have to kind of take a, a lot of it with a grain of salt. I mean, it, they are stable metrics and, and it's great to kind of see that. But um, with these, with these college guys, it, it's a lot of it has to do with the offense you're in. Um, you know, with Bo Nix, his, his offense was very screen heavy. So he's going to do well in some of these metrics and you kind of have to filter that out a little bit. Um, but with Drake May and Jaden Daniels kind of being up there at the top as well, that's, that's stuff you really want to see. I mean, um, clean pocket grade is probably one of our most stable metrics that we have. Um, and it can really kind of tell the story of, of quarterbacks. You know, a lot of times people think that how do you do under pressure is where the, what makes you a quarterback. But, um, you know, we've done a lot of research to show that what you do when everything's perfect is, is kind of um, where you shine and, and projects, you know, your future ability. And um, it's an area where you can kind of really see, you know, who might falter the next year and who might kind of rise to the top. Um, but for, I mean, for Caleb, I wasn't surprised that he was he was this far down on this. I mean, that, that offense, that nothing he did in that offense was was, you know, stable. There was nothing stable about that offense. I mean, he was he was making magic happen almost every single play, and he was pretty much forced to um, with the offensive line he had and, you know, just some of the plays that they were calling and whatnot. And, um, again, it, it's my biggest thing with him is it might have caused some some bad habits. Um, but, yeah, there was nothing in that offense that would, was really going to translate. Um, you're just really banking on the fact that he might be the most talented quarterback I've seen in a, in a long, long time. That 2023 USC offense, of course, had as a senior offensive analyst, the commander's new offensive coordinator, (laughs) uh, Cliff Kingsbury. Now, USC's advanced offensive stats for the 2023 season were good. USC for the 2023 season was number five in the FBS in offensive efficiency per ESPN, and it was number three in the FBS in offensive efficiency per SP+, uh, which is the advanced metric that was developed by ESPN's Bill Conley. Uh, But evaluating football is more than just stats. Uh, What didn't you like about USC's offense this past season? Yeah, there was just no, there was no cohesiveness. I mean, there there were a lot of plays where just receivers didn't look like they had any idea what they were doing. Um, And when they did, they were, it was just, everything was just jumbled up. There was no kind of flow to it. And, um, you know, the reason those numbers look so great was because of Caleb Williams and he was saving the day. I mean, there were a lot of times where he is just dropping kind of back square to the line of scrimmage and the whole time he's just waiting to run and um, just get open within the pocket because he knows that the concept isn't going to be open. So um, it, it was just a mess, and I'm, I'm kind of hoping Cliff didn't really have much with that and he was just kind of there to help Caleb um, because I, I think he was just kind of a you know an offensive analyst. I don't think he was really involved much. I think that was, that was all Lincoln Riley. Um, but yeah, it, it was just it was just a mess of an offense to, to try to watch and, and evaluate, really. I'd like to get your takes on the biggest strengths of Caleb Williams, Drake May, and Jaden Daniels, and the biggest concerns with those guys. Uh, let's start with Caleb Williams. Biggest strength, biggest concern. Yeah, biggest strength is just the sheer talent. I mean, the playmaking ability, the arm talent, all that sort of stuff. I mean, he is 
he can flick his wrist in the ball go 60 yards. I mean, he's got the type of – he's got that arm talent that Aaron Rodgers has where he can just – he can make that, that flick of the wrist where he's off off balance, off platform, all those sort of throws. Um, he's got that sort of talent. Um, he's got the fundamentals of, you know, when he's dropping back in a normal dropback scenario really good. Um, he's got that wide base that allows him to kind of make that flick of the wrist. Um, so just the sheer talent, the arm talent there, and then obviously the playmaking ability. I mean, the plays he makes, there's maybe two other people in the world that can do what he did. Um, and then the biggest concern is, like I said, just that um, that what comes with that playmaking ability is, is the mindset of, you know, hero ball, like I've got to do everything um, and kind of, you know, pass up open reads and easy reads that maybe might not go for 20, 30 yards, but they go for five yards on first and 10. And um, he's going to have to learn to sort of take those little check downs. And it's something that Patrick Mahomes has done so well over the past couple of years. It's just learning to take those, those five yard throws. Um, I'm not saying that Caleb Williams is Patrick Mahomes. There's while they did play kind of similar when they were coming out of college, Patrick was so good at um, never taking sacks. I mean, his, his sack numbers were incredible and they still are. Caleb still kind of struggles with that a little bit. Um, but yeah, if you can get the right kind of coach, it really kind of helps him calm down a little bit and, and just take the easy stuff. It gives him some time to rest so he's not running around for 15 seconds every single play. Much more with Nick Ackridge in Mobane Spot. No podcast or show covers the commanders like this podcast does. And so if you would like to grow your business or practice, consider advertising on the Al Goldie podcast. Podcast advertising is very affordable. Uh, gives you a true bang for your buck. Email us, see what we can do for you. The email address is the Al Goldie podcast at yahoo.com. We're talking with Pro Football Focus senior data analyst and commanders fan Nick Ackridge about the perceived top quarterbacks in the 2024 NFL draft in which the commanders have the number two overall pick. Drake May, I'm with you. I like him. Uh, But there is a wide variance of opinion on May, a guy who I have on the podcast a lot and who I know, you know, uh, Commander's Analyst Mark Bullock, uh, he is not a huge fan (laughs) of Drake May. Uh, Your biggest strength, your biggest concern with Drake May. Yeah, Mark and I have gone uh, back and forth on this for a while now. Um, we did a whole show on, on the Big Douglas show. It was like an hour film breakdown of just kind of us going back and forth on what we like and what we don't like. Um, biggest strength for Drake May, I, I think, is his anticipation and, and um, his ability to, again, arm talent as well. Um, but there's just so many throws over the middle of the field that he is just kind of anticipating before it's open. Um, and it, it's a huge thing that you want to see from these young quarterbacks because a lot of these guys don't trust it. They have to see it open before they throw it. Um, but he's not doing that. He's throwing it before it's open. And he, he's just doing such a good job of some of the high-level quarterback stuff. Now, the concerns with a lot of people, and, and Mark has pointed this out as well, is is the simple accuracy. I mean, some of his footwork is, is downright terrible. Um, but in my mind, that's something that you can fix. I, I think that's something that, Again, a good quarterback coach, a good coach in general can can sort of fix. And again, in my mind, my thought is if he's doing all this high level quarterback stuff, play with this terrible footwork and, you know, somewhat of a weird long release, then what can he do, you know, when that sort of stuff is, is cleaned up? Um, but again, that's you're, you're again banking on the talent um, and the coaching that, that he, he's going to get in the NFL. But it's definitely a concern. And I can see why people are sort of, you know, turned off from him. But Again, his arm talent is is it's not Caleb Williams, but it's up there. He's he's got a hell of an arm. He can make almost any single throw off balance. And again, playmaking ability is also up there as well. I mean, people kind of think he's just a pocket passer, but he's got some crazy in him. I kind of compared him to Josh Allen a little bit, where he does those plays where you're just like, "What are you doing?" Um, sometimes it turns out incredible. Like he has a left-handed throw against Pitt that was out of this world, and he's also got throws where he is in the middle of being tackled, spun around, and he's still throwing the ball to the other team. So he's got a lot of that crazy energy um, that, again, you're going to have to coach out and get him to calm down a little bit, but um, it leads to some spectacular plays. Uh, going back to the study of stable metrics in which Drake May came out really well, out of the 15 quarterbacks on PFF's big board for the 2024 draft in terms of six stable metrics over the last two seasons, May was number two in PFF passing grade from clean pockets, number one 
in PFF passing grade on straight dropbacks. Number three in PFF passing grade on first and second downs. Number one in PFF passing grade with no play action. Number one in PFF passing grade on pass attempts beyond the sticks, but was number eight in percentage of negatively graded plays by PFF. So that last category, not a very good one for May. And I guess that that speaks to the volatility of May. Yeah, no, there, there definitely is. And, and like you said, it, it speaks to just, you know, the, the simple misses. And, you know, we're kind of giving those negative grades if you're just inaccurate. Um, it also speaks to the, the chaoticness that he plays with of, you know, just the, the crazy plays when, when the play breaks down. Um, but yeah, that's that was the one metric that really kind of stood out as he was pretty far down in. But everything else he was at, he was number one or or number two, basically. Uh, Jaden Daniels, there seemingly every college football season now is a quarterback who makes a gigantic leap. Joe Burrow in 2019 comes to mind. Kenny Pickett in 2021 comes to mind. Uh, Well, Jaden Daniels was that guy for the 2023 season. You can't deny the talent. I do worry about him getting injured given his recklessness, at least at times, uh, as a runner. Uh, Biggest strength, biggest concern with Daniels. Yeah, biggest strength is is athleticism. I mean, he is he's a freak athlete. I mean, again, the way he runs is a bit is a bit of a concern. That I think is is something that's fixable and coachable. And um, he he does a decent job of avoiding hits for the most part. It's just the random plays where he thinks he can jump through people that it's just mind numbing. Um, but yeah, I would say his biggest strength is his athleticism and. Honestly, some of the stuff he does in the pocket is, is really good. I mean, I a lot of people were just kind of talking about his athleticism, but as I've kind of really gotten to watch him, some of the stuff he does within the pocket is is really good. Um, I would like him to play with just a little quicker anticipation. There's there's some stuff that he he misses every now and again, but he makes up for it with his with his legs. Um, and yeah, I would say biggest weakness is is again just maybe just a, sl- a slight slow with some of the anticipation and you know some of those massive hits and. Again, he's, he's a pretty skinny guy, so I don't know how many of those hits he could take in the NFL and really kind of get back up. So we know how this goes. Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels, they almost certainly are not all going to be hits. Uh, at least one, maybe even at least two, will not be true hits. Who out of the three has the biggest bust potential, in your opinion? I, I think it's Drake. I think it's Drake May. Because I think um, a lot of the, you know, a lot of the stuff you read on him and, and what I've kind of noticed is he can he can be the type of guy that can you know absolutely change a, a franchise for the better for the next ten years, but he can be the type of guy that's going to get your coach fired, and then the next coach that comes in going to get him fired as well because he's got that kind of crazy energy to him, and he's also got that kind of poor footwork and that poor fundamentals, but. All of this, and again, with, with quarterbacks and you know the bust rate and all that sort of stuff, it really all comes down to coaching and the situation that you're throwing in, throwing, throwing them in. I mean, it, it, Justin Fields wouldn't be Justin Fields now if he was in a better situation. Patrick Mahomes is the same way. Like it's It comes down so much to the situation and whether or not you're kind of fully buying into this guy as your franchise quarterback, and that's from the top down. And, you know, We've seen here for years that some part of the team wants the quarterback and some part of the team doesn't want the quarterback, and it just leads to chaos but um every single i think all three of these guys have potential to maybe flame out i mean you can see it with caleb where he wants to play too much hero ball you can see it with drake may where his his footwork and his chaos is bad you can see it with Jaden daniels where he just can't stay on the field or um and, and just can't make the simple throws and stuff like that so i think all three of them have that potential but um if i would have to pick i would pick drake may just you know because i think it's, it's honestly 50 50 with him you earlier said that Caleb Williams is your QB1 and Drake May is your QB1A. Uh, who knows how possible the commanders trading up from 2-1 to one is, but is the proper play for the commanders staying at 2, or should the team pursue trading up to number 1 if doing so is possible? For me, I, I, for me, I think I would stay at 2. Um, I, I don't have as much of a difference um, and the two of them, but I'm, I'm all for it. If you think that Caleb Williams is this generational guy that you can, you know, go win Super Bowls with, then by all means, go do whatever you have to do to get him. Um, for me, I'd be happy staying it too. Uh, that's, that would, that's just what I would do. Um, cause I, again, I think Drake may with the right coaching can be a top 10 quarterback in the NFL in the future. 
Uh, the offensive portion of the commander's coaching staff under new head coach Dan Quinn, Cliff Kingsbury as offensive coordinator, Brian Johnson as assistant head coach slash offensive pass game coordinator, Anthony Lynn as run game coordinator slash running backs coach, Tavita Pritchard back as quarterbacks coach, Bobby Johnson as offensive line coach. Of course, there are others. Uh, Dan Quinn, of course, is a defensive-minded head coach. So the offensive portion of his coaching staff especially matters. What do you think about the offensive portion of the staff? Yeah, I was at first I was a little concerned. Uh, I've never been too sold on Cliff Kingsbury, um, just kind of in the past of what he's done with, with Arizona and kind of where that translates to the NFL now. I mean, the NFL now is is we're seeing a lot more kind of run heavy play action teams that have really started to be successful and it's it's very cyclical with the NFL. I mean, like five years ago, this spread offense, air raid offense, where you're going five wide every single play was was crushing the league, and now it's back to sort of that under center run heavy play action. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of the offensive line hire. I mean, it's tough to kind of you know get that um, you know to, to be happy about that considering what he's he's done in the past with the Giants and. There's a lot of extenuating circumstances there, but um, I think the Anthony Lynn hire was was huge for me. Um, I think someone that can who's been successful with both running the ball and you know creating you know good run game, um, I, I think can sort of help balance balance Cliffs you know five four or five wide spread offense. And I think if they can kind of get a nice balance together um, where they are marrying that run game and pass game together to make it all kind of look the same, um, I, I think you can see you know some really great stuff because. I, what Cliff does in, in the passing game is really great. Like he has a lot of really great concepts, and I was he, I was a fan of his run game. I, I don't think he did a really good job of kind of marrying the two together, um, but it was pretty successful uh, in, in Arizona, and, and that helps when you have someone like Kyler Murray at the time who was who was playing really well. But um, I wasn't initially a fan of of the hires, but I've been kind of slowly coming around to it, and I think the the Anthony Lynn one is is big and. Um, again, it just kind of comes down to the fact that can they work together and kind of build this cohesive plan? Final question. Uh, this is a dangerous question, <laughs> uh, but this is the first time that we've spoken since the Commander's 2023 season. What is the accurate, sober, objective analysis of the 2023 season that quarterback Sam Howell had? Kind of what I... It's kind of what I somewhat anticipated i mean there were some good but there were so 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 much bad um and and I, I mean i do feel bad for the guy i think he was thrown into a situation that was was just never gonna work uh, i mean the enemy threw him to the wolves when he's dropping back 50 60 times a game and that's just never gonna work that's never gonna work for mahomes it's never gonna work for anyone um i, I just think that there were there were too many really really bad plays um, just some poor plays that that really kind of stuck out. That is the reason why you're in this number two spot and why you're going to pick a quarterback in the future. That's not to say that he should be off the team or anything like that. I think he's proven that he can come in and make some decent plays at times. Um, but I, I think he didn't do anything to prove that he's you know a starting quarterback in the future. Um, and again, it, it's it's tough. I mean, he was a fifth round quarterback. This is the second offense he's coming into. It was an offense that was not really helpful for him. Um, but we saw what happened when a, you know, a, a veteran quarterback came in like Brissett, it just kind of clicked instantly for him. Um, and that's, you know, that's going to happen with someone like Brissett who's been around for a while. But um, I think with Howell, and it sucks for me saying this because I, I was a huge fan of him coming out of college. I, he was my, my number two quarterback. Um, so I definitely wanted him to work and it makes everything easier. But um, there's a reason we're picking number two overall. And, and that kind of starts with the quarterback play. Well, if Sam Howell this past season wasn't going to be good, or at least getting better, then he needed to be bad uh, so that the Commanders got a super high pick in the 2024 draft, and they, in fact, have a super high pick in the 2024 draft. Pro Football Focus Senior Data Analyst and Commanders fan, Nick Ackridge. Uh, Nick, thanks a lot, and have a great weekend. Yeah, of course. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring... The best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, for the first time in more than two months, the Capitals have a winning streak of at least three games. A 5-3 win at the Tampa Bay Lightning on Thursday night. The Caps now have won three consecutive games for the first time since a three-game winning streak that consisted of wins on December 17th, December 20th, and December 21st. Uh, The Caps for this NHL regular season now are 26-21-8 and have 60 points, good for a three-way tie for fourth in the eight-team Metropolitan Division. Yes, the Caps are moving on up in the Metro. Uh, Good things are happening for the Caps right now. Now, they on Thursday night won despite blowing a 3-1 third period lead. The Caps in a third period in which each team scored two goals had just Five shots on goal to the Lightning's 15. And per natural, Statrick had just six five-on-five shot attempts to the Lightning's 16. But the Caps won, and a big reason was their penalty kill. The Caps went 3-3 on the penalty kill. The Lightning came into the game number one in the NHL in power play efficiency for this regular season at 30.23%. So a very nice job by the Caps on the Lightning's potent power play. Uh, Charlie Lindgren was the Caps starting goaltender on Thursday night. He was a Caps starting goaltender for an 11th time in 16 games. He stopped 29 of the 32 shots on goal that he faced. Lindgren, per natural stat trick, faced just three high danger shots on goal the entire game. Uh, he stopped two of them. He, per natural stat trick, stopped four of the six medium danger shots on goal that he faced and stopped all 20 of the low danger shots on goal that he faced. Uh, the Caps on Thursday night scored at least four goals for a third consecutive game. Second line center Connor McMichael, he scored two goals for a second consecutive game. He had an even strength goal 16-19 into the first period, and he had an even strength empty net goal 18-58 into the third period. Uh, Top line left wing, Alex Ovechkin had the primary assist on the Connor McMichael empty net goal. Ovi, no goals on Thursday night, but now 22 points over his last 19 games, 10 goals and 12 assists. And Ovechkin now has his first regular season point streak of at least 10 games since a 14-game regular season point streak in November and December 2018. And Ovechkin on Thursday night had a game-high six shots on goal and a game-high 10 total shot attempts. Ovi remains hot. Uh, Second line left wing, Anthony Mantha, he scored an even-strength goal at 12-14 into the second period. He, for this regular season, is number two on the Caps with 18 goals. And Mantha has his most goals in a regular season since having 25 goals for the Detroit Red Wings in the 2018-2019 regular season. Uh, Second line right wing Tom Wilson had two secondary assists. Top line center Dylan Strom had two assists, but did commit two penalties, a second period slashing minor and a third period tripping minor. Uh, the Caps did go 0-4 on the power play, and the Caps did suffer another injury, or so we think. Uh, top line right wing TJ Oshie, he in the third period had to be helped off the ice with an apparent non-contact injury. That was scary. That did not look good. Third straight game in which the Caps suffered an injury, or at least apparent injury. Uh, fourth line center Nick Dowd, he on Thursday night did not play due to an upper body injury that he suffered in the Caps 6-2 win over the New Jersey Devils at Capital One Arena this past Tuesday night. And defenseman Martin Fehervari remains out due to a lower body injury that he suffered in the Caps 4-3 win at the Montreal Canadiens this past Saturday night. But the Caps 
Habs now are 3-0-0 off having gone 1-6-2 over their previous nine games. Uh, here was Caps head coach Spencer Carberry during his postgame session with reporters on Thursday night. Yeah, I, I thought we were um, <clears throat> just so composed, uh, almost to the point where, okay, or, or we, and, and it played out the way that, that you thought. Like, guys, I, even after giving up those two goals quickly, um, the composure on the bench, our next shifts after that, um, you could just tell it, it wasn't a team that was rattled and uh, it wasn't a team that was going to um, let a couple bad scenarios determine our fate and that's um yeah again character the group we're, we're just fighting we're, we're scratching clawing and uh penalty guilt did, did an unbelievable job tonight against the uh best power play in the national hockey league so uh give our guys a lot of credit for just fighting for every inch tonight and staying composed in this in the situation in a hostile environment and um finding a way to w win a game in a really difficult we're losing guys left right and center and uh, finding a way to get two points in, in, a, in a really tough building to play in. All right, next up for the Caps at the reigning, defending Eastern Conference champion Florida Panthers Saturday evening at 6. The Panthers for this regular season have the third most points in the Eastern Conference, 78. And whereas the Capitals' next game is at the reigning, defending Eastern Conference champion Florida Panthers, the Wizards on Thursday night were at the reigning, defending NBA champion Denver Nuggets, and the Wizards on Thursday night got smashed. Uh, they, in their first game of their post-All-Star break portion of the season, lost at the Nuggets 130-110. The Wizards now have lost nine consecutive games. The Wizards for this NBA regular season now are 9-46. and 46. That is the second worst record in the NBA. Uh, the Wizards in this game never held a lead. They trailed by at least 10 points for all of the second, third, and fourth quarters. The Wizards' three-point defense actually was good, but their interior defense was horrendous. The Wizards held the Nuggets to just 7 of 31 on threes but the Wizards allowed the Nuggets to score a staggering 88 points in the paint. The Nuggets went a scorching 44 of 58 in the paint. Uh, the Wizards allowed the Nuggets to finish with 41 assists versus 16 turnovers. The Wizards got violated <laughs> by the best player in the NBA, 6'11", Nuggets center Nikola Jokic, the man known as the Joker. Uh, the joke was on the Wizards. Uh, uh, the Joker, in just 31 minutes, 23 seconds as a starter, had a triple-double, 21 points, 19 rebounds, 15 assists, versus three turnovers, and he had a game-best plus-minus rating of plus 23. Jokic went 10 of 10 from the field. All twos went one of two on free throws. So the Wizards got out-rebounded by the Nuggets 60-40, although that was all about defensive rebounds. The Wizards actually had 14 offensive rebounds to the Nuggets' 13. Uh, strange game for the Wizards offensively. They were really good on threes, but really bad on twos and free throws. The Wizards went 17 of 38 on threes, but just 23 of 66 on twos and just 13 of 23 on free throws. But to me, the most significant thing from this game from a Wizards perspective was Wizards interim head coach Brian Keefe not starting Jordan Poole and starting Bilal Koulibaly. Uh, now, Koulibaly did not have a good game, but the idea here is great. Get Koulibaly more playing time. Let him continue to develop in what has been a very encouraging rookie season for him. What is his age 19 season? And of course, Jordan Poole is having a wretched season. Now, his game on Thursday night wasn't like his worst game of the season or anything like that, but 30 minutes, 9 seconds off the bench, 4 of 17 from the field. 3-9 uh, of nine on threes, okay, but just 1 of 8 on twos. He went 7 of 9 on free throws, did finish with 18 points and 2 steals, had 1 assist, 
versus two turnovers. But first time this regular season that Jordan Poole did not start a game in which he played. Good for Brian Keefe for doing this. Uh, Tyus Jones, he on Thursday night in 30 minutes, 51 seconds as a starter, went three of five on threes and two of three on twos. He finished with 13 points, 14 assists versus just two turnovers and two rebounds, both of which were offensive boards, but 14 assists versus just two turnovers. Another ridiculous game for Jones in terms of the assisted turnover ratio. Jones remains number one among all qualified NBA players in assisted turnover ratio for this regular season. That ratio now is at 7.21. He has 382 assists versus just 53 turnovers. Uh, Kyle Kuzma on Thursday night technically returned from a one-game absence caused by a non-COVID illness. 31 minutes, one second as a starter. Six of eight on threes. He finished with 31 points, 12 rebounds, including six offensive boards, three steals, and three assists versus three turnovers. He did go just six of 17 on twos and just one of four on free throws. Uh, And Isaiah Livers remains out due to a right hip problem. He has yet to play for the Wizards since they acquired him via trade on January 14th. Next up for the Wizards are two games this weekend, with the games happening against the second-best team in each conference. Uh, The Wizards are at the Oklahoma City Thunder Friday night at 8. The Thunder, for this regular season, has the second-best record in the Western Conference, and the Wizards are home to the Cleveland Cavaliers Sunday evening at 6. The Cavs, for this regular season, have the second-best record in the Eastern Conference. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can hit me up on X at Al Galdi. You can email me the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Monday show, episode 770. We'll have a lot for you on the Commanders. Also on Monday show, I'll talk Capitals, Wizards, and college basketball. The Caps have one game this weekend at the Florida Panthers, Saturday evening at 6. The Wizards have two games this weekend at the Oklahoma City Thunder, Friday night at 8, and home to the Cleveland Cavaliers, Sunday evening at 6. And college basketball this weekend, Maryland is at Rutgers, Sunday at noon. Georgetown is at DePaul, Saturday evening at 6. Virginia is home to number 10, North Carolina, Saturday afternoon at 4. And Virginia Tech is at Pitt, Saturday evening at 5.30. Have a great weekend, and I'll talk to you on Monday. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.